This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly supported by McDelivery, bringing you the food you love. McDelivery brings a top-tier lineup of food right to your door. No matter the results, you'll always be winning with McDelivery. Order now on the McDonald's app and you'll get rewards points delivered too. So that ordering today means some tasty rewards for tomorrow. Only via app at participating restaurants. 18 plus rewards registration required. Points only on menu items, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Two games, two draws and still unbeaten. I'll take that. It's been a week of clinical thinking for Mansfield Town. Ollie Clark's quick thinking on Saturday rescued a point away at Gillingham. And then in midweek, clinical thinking from Nigel Clough to make sure that we were tight enough at the back to not concede. But a lack of clinical thinking at the other end meant it was a goalless 0-0 draw in front of a sellout Wonkful Stadium crowd. But the fact remains that the Stags are still unbeaten going into the weekend's game against second in the table AFC Wimbledon. And they're the only team in the country that are unbeaten in all competitions. Will that still be the case come 10pm on Tuesday night as the Stags begin their EFL trophy, aka the Papa John's trophy journey? All of that to talk about tonight here on the Mansfield Matters, where it's just me and Clive. So come and have your say on your team and help us out in the comments by keeping those questions, comments and opinions flooding in as usual. This is the Mansfield Matters podcast. We're proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. A very good evening, one and all, and welcome to the show for the fans, by the fans. This is the Mansfield Matters podcast. Great to have you with us, as always, here on Mansfield Matters. Now, I called this episode Critical Thinking because I wanted to talk about Ollie Clark's quick thinking at Gillingham. I wanted to talk about the um, clinical lack of clinicalness on Tuesday at home to Wrexham. And then it sort of applies to me because in the last half an hour, the Mansfield Matters podcast panel tonight has gone from a solid four or five to it being me and Clive. Uh, Alan is unwell and poorly, so he's naturally resting his voice so he can shout about all the goals that go in on Saturday afternoon. Nick is uh, on parenting duty and Cam is watching Hollyoaks. So uh, it's just the C- the CPs, a.k.a. The, uh, the the two who could uh, can can actually manage to get on the laptops and, and do the show tonight. So as always, come and have your say on your team. Now, Clive, we must start with a bit of Mansfield Matters admin because you were on a yellow card in our group chat and we need to clear up 
why you were on a booking. Why did you put in the chat, come on, you, I can't even say the word, the, the S word. What, what happened? Did somebody steal your phone? Did you have a senior moment? What, what was going off? It was irony. I said, come on, you spyrites, knowing that anybody with half an ounce of intelligence would know I couldn't be saying it with any sincerity. But clearly, I've overestimated people's intelligence. You did. And we did give you a booking for it. But seeing as you're the only podcast panellist to turn up tonight, I'm going to rescind that yellow card and just drop it down to a verbal warning. I took it for the team. There you go. Uh, right, so let's delve into the show. As always, come and have your say on your team. Um, it's been quite a busy week, but I guess the overall fact of it all is the fact that we're going into Saturday against second in the league, we're still in the top seven, and we are still unbeaten. I can't quite believe that we're in the first week of October having not lost a game. It's almost unheard of for a Mansfield side at this stage of the season. Yes, whilst, whilst it's, it's a reasonable gripe from one or two people that we've not converted draws into wins, um, I'd have this situation any time. Um, we, we are, you know, given where we are, what we've had to deal with, and the quality of the teams we've been coming up against, I think to come through this period without losing, it's, it's phenomenal. Yeah, it really is because, you know, you look at what we missed out on last year being the, the one goal, and you look at the sort of season before that and the inconsistencies. Sometimes what you need to do at this stage of the campaign is just be solid and difficult to, to break down and beat. And that's exactly what we, we, we're proving to be, as proved on Tuesday night at, at Wrexham. And also we're proving to be a side that if we do go behind in a game like we did at Gillingham, we're not going to take it as a blow. We're not going to fall out of the game. We're going to scrap and work harder to get it back. And that's a good quality to have. It is. I mean, in both of those games, we could have and arguably should have won because we made enough chances to have done so. And that's the only real area of concern. I think we all share it, that we're not putting the chances away. But I can't remember seeing Mansfield side play as well as they did against Wrexham for a long, long time. And if we can play as well as that against other teams, we will certainly take three points from them. I think you have to give some credit to Wrexham. They were well organised. They were a strong side. They could have won it as well. I thought overall it was a one of the best nil-nil draws you could see. Yeah, it was a real good advert for, for League Two football, that's for sure. Two really good sides. Uh, in the comments, Moggy's kicked us off tonight and says, we have the best two footballing brains then. Well, I don't quite know about that. Uh, maybe Clive, but definitely not me. Um, but keep <laughs> questions coming in and we'll try our best to put our half a football brain together. I think he's missed a word out there. It was the best two football brain cells. But yes, there we go. That sounds more accurate and that's probably probably right. Um, let's start by divulging and delving into Gillingham away on Saturday afternoon. Uh, good trip down there. Last year, I remember having to walk uh, through the, the back ginnels and the jitties or whatever it is people want to call it. Same again this year or did you manage to find a different path? Well, we avoided the long convoluted jitty last this time round, but we we weren't allowed to park the coaches anywhere near the ground. You know, mm. where last year we, we had to park near the old railway station. Well, that, that's exactly what had to happen, which is fine for me and others, but there were one or two members of the uh, coach party that don't walk that well. And it's a fair old trek. Um, but that, that was Gillingham's decision. Well, I guess it's the police's decision. It is a fairly tight area around the, the ground. And uh, that's what we had to do. But it was um, it was worth the trip because I think again, in terms of 
the game. I mean, it was a, it was a, a superb advertisement for League Two football. Yeah, and uh, the game itself and the res- the result. You know, we probably would have wanted to come away with a win. They were doing well at the time and still are, despite the fact though that they think that they can be doing better because they've since uh, relieved their manager of their duties, haven't they? American owners, you see, no patience. <laughs> Absolutely, um, and. I know what one of their qualms is, you know, the fact that they're not quite scoring goals. You know, they're not conceding many, but they're not also, they're not scoring, which is, I, I suppose, can be said for, for a lot of sides, really. But uh, I felt watching it that for the early stages of the game, we were perhaps a little bit on the back foot. I felt like their goal w- would have come eventually. But the fact that we gave it away by virtue of a mistake was quite a frustrating thing. And I, I do have to give Nigel Clough some credit because in previous seasons, he has thrown players when they've made mistakes under the bus. I'm thinking certainly of Elliot Hewitt during his early tenure at the club when he, you know, made the comment about him not tackling his mate. Um, but Lewis Brunt did make a mistake on on Saturday. Fortunately, he got it out of his system quite quickly. But Nigel Clough didn't throw him under the bus in his post-match comment. He just said, "As a young player, that's what happens, and we just have to get him through." And I guess, you know, we, we're in a better shape now that it wasn't really a it was the right time in the game, if that makes sense, to make a mistake like that, the opening couple of minutes, because you've still got the whole afternoon ahead of you. Yes, I'd rather concede in the first two minutes than in the, la- than in the last two minutes. Um, it was a mistake. It was a mistake. Only one person could hold his hands up to, and that was the young lad. Um, it's not his first time he's done it, actually. But um, after he'd done it, instead of going to pieces, which you, you, know, might, you might have expected, he, he came on strong and he was, he was as good as anybody. After that, um, I thought we gave him a little bit too much respect in the first half. And um, whilst they were they were a decent side and they were well organised, um, once we decided we could play, we did. Mm. And I think uh, you know we seem to be a second half team again at the moment, and I, I don't fully understand that. But we um, we deserved our point. But they didn't deserve to lose, if you get my meaning. I think it was a, overall, it was a fair outcome given the, the state of play. Of course, both teams wanted three points and both teams tried, just as indeed on Tuesday night, both teams went for a win. I find it interesting because obviously one of your roles with Mansfield Matters is to be the go-to guy, the stalwart, as you've called yourself tonight. I need to get the names back on the screen, by the way. I used to have them on and... Uh... I took them off and can't remember how to get them back on, so I'll work on that. Uh, but, uh, you know, you often do go on other people's podcasts for us and be our voice of reason. And you went on one on Sunday morning, didn't you, like a post-match uh, Gillingham show. There was obviously a lot of outrage from the Gillingham fans, considering the manner in which we scored the goal. We'll touch upon that ourselves in a minute. But what was their perspective of it and what was the, the, the general reception um, from them? Did they think that they'd been robbed? Did, did they agree that it was an equal game? Yeah, they thought they were robbed, as indeed any partisan fan would have done. Had it been on the other side, we'd have felt the same way. But when you when we drill into their um, criticism of it, they had no problem that it was a foul. It was a foul. They have no problem the referee awarded the foul. They weren't going to have a problem with him booking the player who committed the foul. They didn't think Mansfield had done anything wrong in taking a quick free kick. So only argument was the anarchy arg- argument about technicalities. Should the referee have allowed play to continue once in 
their opinion, he'd started the disciplinary process in that he'd taken a yellow card out of his back pocket. Now, it's an argument run and run, that mm. one. My, my balance, and I put this to them, didn't really have an answer. Well, in that case, what, why do you, how do you justify having six players around the referee arguing about the, the award of the free kick when, by your own admission, there was no, it wasn't, it was definitely a free kick. Instead of arguing with the bloody referee, you should have put your players in the positions to prevent initiatives like the one that resulted in a scoring goal. Yeah, I agree. I think League Two this year, you look at the rule changes with the multi-ball thing, it's all about more play, more time to play. So the referees, and you see it a lot of times in games, all right, it doesn't always lead to a goal like it did at Gillingham, but it's hand on the ball, play quickly and try and keep the game flowing, which I'm a big, big fan of. And I think the referee did the right thing. I think with the, the yellow card, because he did get the yellow card out of his pocket. If he gets the spray out, that does indicate that he wants it to be a direct free, direct or indirect free kick and he's going to set the wall up and do that. But he didn't get his spray, he got the book in. He saw the opportunity, he had a good view of what was in front of him. So I don't think there could be any claim of he wasn't watching play. He kept up with it quite quickly. His officials run it down that side. And what he did was he let play go naturally and then he booked the player afterwards like he would in any situation if that was 40 yards further back. I think he did everything right. And you know what? If we'd have been on the receiving end of that, I can honestly sit here and say, I'd say fair enough. Because I, I agree with what you said there. When you're a player on the pitch, save your arguments for when the ball goes out of play or for when the game is for when the game is got a, a lull in the game. Always play to the whistle and always focus because eventually that you know, we talk about fine margins la last season. That could be the fine margin this season which stops them getting in or gets us in yeah i mean let's be clear the referee didn't have a very good game uh, i thought he looked a bit out of his depth apparently he's a he's a league rookie um i think it showed at times but on that instance i don't think he did a great deal wrong mm. um and and in fact i looking at the replay on tv i could see eye contact was made between the referee and ozzy clark who, who said, and, and he got tacit agreement to, to go, and he went, you know. And in the meantime, all their players are poncing around the referee, arguing the toss. Well, there's a lesson there, I think. And uh, and maybe the uh, on reflection, they may realise that. But they were right to be disappointed. I think they felt they were in control of the game at that point, and it turned the game a little bit. Maybe it did, because in the second half, we were the best team. Absolutely. Uh, keep your comments coming in. Have your say on your team. I'll come to Martin's comment later on in the show when we talk about the, the upcoming fixtures. Um, Alan says, or types because he can't say, which is why he's not on the podcast with us tonight. Because I think he'd be, think he'd be talking, uh, Clive. He'd be talking a little bit like this. Everybody, it's Alan here. He'd be talking a bit like that. Of course he would. With his, uh, with his sore throat and everything. Uh, but he does say in the comment, should I do it in the Alan voice or should I do it in the normal voice? No, do it in your normal voice, for goodness sake. All right, well. He says, did you see Ollie Hawkins at all? A nice touch from Laps with his applause for the Stags fans. Did you notice that at the end? Did you spot that? Yes, I did. And in fact, he, he, he was... It was a deliberate act on Laps's part to, to separate himself from yes. the other players to come over and do it. I, I don't think Lapsley ever really wanted to leave us at the time. I think it was an opportunity he couldn't afford not to take Yeah, um, for all sorts of reasons. But I don't think he'd any, he'd no emotional distress at Mansfield time. I don't think Hawkins had either. I think they just took 
what any player in their position would have done, which is an opportunity to enhance their uh, income and, and move into an area of the country closer to their roots. So I don't think we need to recover that ground again. But Lapsley was a bit of a gentleman, and it's to his credit. Hawkins wasn't there, as far as I could see. Yeah, he's not. Um, I don't think he's fit. At the no, he's, he's still injured, I think. Mm. Um, but, I, you know, that's nice to see. And I think, you know, contrast that with Ollie the Pratt Palmer on uh, <laughs> on Tuesday night. Being going out of that, coming off. Yeah, what an idiot. Did you yeah. make a Muppet? Has he got, I wonder if he's got out of uh, Bailey Cargill and uh, Aidan Flint's back pocket yet. I don't know, but I, was, I told you, Bailey, Bailey Cargill's turning out to be a right good acquisition, I think. We'll come on to him in a minute. Uh, let's go back to, to that again. Obviously, you know, people now, I'm not going to as many away games at the minute. I'm watching it on uh, iFollow due to a number of... Uh, <clears throat> uh, but I did see that from Lapsdale. I did see it on social media. Lots of people sharing it on socials as well. And um, it's a really nice touch for, for him to do that. Um, <coughs> the, uh, the Ollie Hawkins thing, obviously, is not playing. Uh, Martin, naturally, in the comments, has asked a question about Hawkins because it's the, the team he's at now versus his old team. And he says, if we... I think if we still had Hawkins up front, he could be the answer to scoring. I think Laps would struggle to get into our midfield. I agree with that. I think we've, we've definitely, you know, at the time we were all a little bit frustrated that we let George Lapsley go, but we have replaced him now with, with sheer quality. You know, we'd have seen that a lot earlier if Lewis Reed didn't get injured on his debut. Um, and then obviously we brought Aaron Lewis in as well. He's turned into be a superb addition. Um, the Hawkins thing... I don't think we can even have that discussion, Clive, because the simple fact is, in Nigel Clough's brain, he does not, and I don't think probably <clears throat> the moment he put him back there, see Ollie Hawkins as a, a striker option. He always saw him as a centre-half. So I don't think we can sit here and go, um, yeah, I think he would be the answer to getting his X, Y and Z, because he would never play up there. Likewise, whenever it comes to selecting Jordan Bowery now... <clears throat> Nigel Clough will never put him in that centre-forward box. He will always put him in a defensive options box. Make sense? Yeah. I mean, let's be fair. We don't. We know very few teams, you know, include the Stags in this, play with the centre-forward mentality anymore. <laughs> we uh, we construct our goals in a, in, a, in a way that suits our team and that suits Clough's desires. Um, I think Ollie Hawkins was very much a defender for us through necessity, not necessarily through design. And um, he only went up for free kicks and stuff on the basis that he's a tall chap and should score plenty of goals. He scored one or two, but he wasn't prolific mm. when he had the opportunity. And I'm not sure if he was on our books now, whether he would be that well served as a tall centre forward by the way we play football. So <clears throat> I take the point he's been, that, that um, who is it, Martin's oh. been making, that, that I think, if you played to a tall centre forward by design, yes, indeed. But we never did when he was there, and I don't see us doing it now. And likewise, when Flint goes up, I'm not sure that's worth the effort at the moment. Um, but, you know, things have to develop. But yeah. we don't miss him as a fullback. We've got, uh, you know, grudgingly, I have to say, because I was never his biggest fan. I think the keeper's proved his, his worth. I think our back line is, is superb, given that we've lost for long periods of time our wing defenders. Um, I think it's probably the best, one of the best in the league. And our midfield is superb. It's just tapping it over the line, isn't it? Yeah, and, and that was the frustration with the um, with, with the Wrexham game, I think. And Mark's hit the, the, the nail on the head in the comments. We're not that good at corners for our tall player. And that's exactly the problem because you can, you can look at Ollie Hawkins and you go, tall, 
can head a ball. You look at Aidan Flint, tall, physical, strong, can head a ball, can score goals because he's got a bloody good record at it. He's not scored for Mansfield yet because every time we get a set piece, we are not good enough at set pieces. If I was to, to highlight where the weakest part of our game is, it is 100% set pieces because we do not utilise them to our advantage. We've got players like, I mean, you look at Tuesday, prime example, Cargill going forward, Flint going forward, potentially Bowery sometimes as well. We have not, we, we do not put good enough balls into the box to make the most of set pieces. Because if we did, I don't think we'd be sitting here talking about four wins, seven draws. I think we'd be talking about seven wins, four draws. I think it's true of set pieces like free kicks, corners and crosses in general. I think it's been the weakest part of our game. I mean, you look... The, the quality of our crosses has been really poor. We've made the ground, we've made the, we've, we've beat the defender, we've got ourselves in a position and the ball's been sent completely in the wrong part of the pitch, you know, and, and, and sometimes it's just bad luck and other times it's just poor form. Yeah, I was going to say about, you know, you look at James Gale coming on on uh, Tuesday night and I felt that was the, the, the one time we actually get, did get a decent ball into the box. But he's the type of player that you actually want in on the end of it rather than the one putting yeah, it in. You can't ask him to do both, can you? Exactly that. But some, some will and some, some won't. But I, I agree with Mark. We're not good enough at corners and, and set piece. And I think that's one area of our game which we definitely need to look at improving. So I think we've got the talent in our squad to, to do it. We just... Whether it's we need to work on some more routines, we need to look at the delivery which we put in. I, I just don't think we, we've quite got that scratch. We've quite got that. We've broken that down yet. But I think as soon as we do, I think we will find it difficult. We're good at defending them, but we're just not good enough at attacking them from any area of, of the pitch. I think the, the closest we probably come is when, we, uh, when, when Aaron Lewis takes a corner. It's probably the best delivery of a set piece we've got, but he doesn't always take them because Clough likes to, to mix it up. No, and I think it's an area for improvement. I mean, that, the only good thing about doing something badly is you can improve. Um, if we're doing them superbly and still not scoring, it's a different problem. Um, and, and I think, uh, you know, we, we, we this is where the time on the training ground has got to be invested, I think. Mm. Yeah, because we, we've worked on the other things, the areas of our game, like our, our passing play and, uh, you know, defending and not making silly mistakes too much, too often. We are still prone to the odd mistake. Um, you know, the Brunt one, for example, although you put that down to a little bit of inexperience or whatever and, and you move on. But uh, there there is certainly elements of that um, there. Let's move on to the Wrexham game then on Tuesday night. Like you said earlier, it has to be one of the best adverts for League Two football around. All that was missing in that game was a goal. One of the best atmospheres I felt at, at one call for a, for a while from both sets of uh, supporters. And you have to say, like Nigel Clough said afterwards, that is the way we've played for a lot of the season in spells of games. But we came out of the traps firing. And I, I, I do think had we scored a goal, the roof would have come off and I think it would have opened the floodgates. It was just about getting that final bit of power to get over the line. Um, yeah. I mean, I said earlier that we would become a second-half team. It was completely different on Tuesday night. We did come out all guns blazing and, and with a bit more luck, we might have got a reward for it. But let's not take anything away from Wrexham. They are patently aware of their leaky defence and it was vital for them to try and get a a seal up and that's what they did mm. and i think uh, they were throwing their bodies on the line like we do you know 
and in a way that says they it mattered to them. And I think the point was incredibly valuable to them um, in a way we've, we're entitled to feel slightly disappointed. They would have thought that was like winning the league on Tuesday night because they proved that they could seal up the back end of their game. And, uh, and I think, again, I'm not here to be neutral. I can't be because I'm a Stags fan. But I thought they were worthy of their point, ultimately. And I think that's where it should be. And, and we'll we'll go to other games and get three points. We're going to go to other games and get three points we don't deserve. We didn't really deserve the three points we got against Barrow, if you think about it. It was a right, dirty, grotty little game that we managed to get over the line with. That will happen. But it'd be nice to think that we can play free-flowing football and score lots of goals. But we're playing some decent sides at the moment. You know, it's, we've got like three or four on the top teams that are in the top three. Mm. It's a really difficult spell. And I think that the key thing, you know, is is getting through it without actually losing the game. Um, that's the... Hey, and more importantly, without getting any serious injuries as well. Yeah, and and sometimes... I know don't. Oh, sometimes you've you've got to um, you've got to look to look at that and look at that as the the positive way. Wrexham definitely did come to set up to try and uh, play for the point and to to defend because, like you said, they have lead goals. They've gone through goalkeepers like you know. Um, like nobody's business. Obviously, they had the Ben Foster situation, and then Mark Howard, who was their number, their then number two, and then they brought in other keepers. The the lad that played on Tuesday, I think that was his second game. He uh, played well. Did play well. Um, and you know their threat is the long throw, and and, and we dealt with it, and, and set pieces, and we dealt with it, and it was just a case of who's going to blink first. We were actually unlucky at times. We hit the post a couple of times, and it was ifs and buts of if the ball was going to drop. But if we can maintain that level of effort, I think we'll we'll win more games than what we lose and I think we'll win more games than what we'll draw. I said to my dad, you know, we started really, really well and we had 15 minutes of relentless passing, relentless pressing, relentless um, energy. And I said, if we can maintain this, we'll get a good result. We dropped off a little bit in the middle, but that's bound to happen when you, you play on Saturday, Tuesday. But if we can balance that out and make the, the right subs at the right time, I think we'll be all right. We didn't make too many changes on, on Tuesday night, but the game wasn't really set up uh, to do it. And I think the most important thing is not losing the game. And uh, we did exactly that. Yes, I think we, our record is, is there to be seen in terms of not shipping goals. You know, compare it to last season when we were guaranteed to ship a goal every game through some piece of poor defending. Um, so I'm a lot happier about that. I think we all should be. But if you really want lots and lots of goals, Mansfield isn't really set up for that because everything's coming through midfield at the moment. And you, to be fair, if you look at all our goals that have been scored, it's very much down to Keeler Dunn. Mm. Um, and he was a bit unlucky as well because he uh, did both at Gillingham and against uh, um, Wrexham. But we, uh, we're we not going to... I don't think while ever we have the teams in front of us that we've been playing this last month, we're going to get... Uh, romping with anybody I think they'll come eventually there's going to be one or two teams that are uh, bottom feeders and we're going to get there at the moment the, the league doesn't quite know who's doing what I mean everybody expected Crawley to be a rubbish team and look at them at the moment you know it's the, are they being the Stevenage this year I don't know but I'm pretty sure on the standard of play that we've, we've been making we'll be a top three team this year yeah I have to... that's got to be the ambition and I think what, one thing that we're sort of not thinking about as well is Will Swan's not yet hit his groove in terms of the goal scoring that he did last season. James Gale's coming back in. 
Lucas Aikens is looking a little bit leggy. DKD's playing a little bit further forward than he has been the last couple of games. Reese Oates has still got to come back in. We are still missing a, a, a good handful of players in those key attacking positions. And, uh, you know, it, it will come good. But we're still scoring goals. We're still creating chances, which is... Which There's is a... no doubt about it, Craig. If we'd got Reese Oates' raw pace, yeah, I think the last few games would have been converted. 100%. Um, and I think if we'd got the... Um, the nous that uh, Quinn brings to the game would have played differently as well. Yeah, absolutely. Having said that, we're going to have Quinn because it's what's got to be his last season, whatever happens. Um, I think we are. And he's not a 90-minute player anyway. We know that. Um, and I think the midfield's doing very well. I really do. And I, I like how Maris has now settled in with with Reed, and, and I think uh, Clark, when he's on form, is, is one of the best midfielders in the league. Um, I think we're all right. I, Question marks have a Boateng, I guess. Um, a little bit left side, a bit, a little bit languid. Um, but we, um, and of course, uh, Lewis is, um, he's potentially one of the most attractive players to watch. You know, I mean, obviously the, the super goal at uh, Accrington has made a name for him, but I think his contribution throughout the game is there. You know, he, he brings a little bit of, flexibility, it brings a little bit of style, He's, he can thread passes through. And I think that our midfield is as good as anybody's in this league, I'm pretty sure of that. Not that I've seen them all play, but that's my view on it. I think we've had the best midfield in League Two for a while and we've just added quality to it. And it's interesting what you say about Clark there, because, you know, three or four weeks ago when he wasn't fully fit, we're sitting here thinking, is, is he done? Is, he, is it too much trim? Is he struggling? But he's what I love about Ollie Clark is his enthusiasm to get his head down and play. And he's, the last two or three games, he's been absolutely phenomenal. He got booked on Tuesday, which sort of hampered him a little bit. But he's absolutely ran his socks off. And I think we talk about the Stephen Quinn role on the left-hand side of that bunch of midfield three. Ollie Clark is making that his own at the minute. George Maris is enjoying the playing higher up where he did and where he was so successful for many a season for Cambridge, where he made his name for himself. And DKD's just as comfortable playing further forward. We've got the pieces. You know, the. I know you're a jigsaw fan, and I know sometimes you can get these jigsaws, which are, you can do them four ways up or whatever. You've got like four in one or whatever. We've got so many pieces to fit so many jigsaws. It's What more can we ask for? I think if all our players are fit and available, we've got two very good League Two squads. Yeah. Um, t to League Two teams. I think it's a, it's a nice position to be in compared to where we were two seasons ago and last season. Um, and Clough gives himself a headache going forward as these players become available. I don't think Clark's still fully fit, by the way. I think he's getting there, mm. but his attitude tends to overcome a lot of those those things. He's not frightened of anything. Yeah, he's, he's, he relishes having a shot. Um, he should have scored at um, Gillingham. He was he had the opportunity that he loves to have, and he just shot over the bar, which is you know a little bit of uh, a disappointment for the lad and, and for us as well, obviously. But uh, I think. Uh, our team's better for having him in it. Yeah, absolutely. Keep your comments, questions and opinions coming in on the live feed, just like Martin's done, who says, I just hope Swan gets some confidence that he's not been around, he's not been the same and not hit the ground running. Aikens has been quality. Glad he shut up a few, a few up. He's been a big part of what we've been doing. It's nice not to have just one star player. We've got a lot of individuals who are class, a lot stronger squad, than that played at Wembley and last season. 
completely agree. The Wembley season it was all due to the to momentum rather than the actual squad, and we always knew that the wrong opposition, like Port Vale, for example, when we got to the playoff final, were always going to unstickers. Um, Roy says Mansfield are playing the best football I've seen here for years. Just been listening uh, to something else, and they're talking about Clough potentially going to Sheffield Wednesday. What do you think? Hope not. Now, I jokingly said in the group chat when um, the Wednesday manager got shot. Clough's last potential last shot at, at the championship. I I don't think he would. I think it would take a big big offer in terms of financial compensation for Mansfield Town for him to go and do that. I don't think he's the type of manager that would walk away. The only time I would ever think he would potentially think about walking, and he will never get it because they're now a Premier League side, is if Forest were potentially struggling in the champ. I think that's the only side he'd potentially look to leave to. I don't think he'd be a, be looking to, to go to, to Sheffield Wednesday, especially when you consider he was manager of Sheffield United. Yeah, I don't think it's a goer. I think um, he's I think he's happy. It's an important factor towards the end of your working life uh, to be happy doing what you're doing and, and to be I, adequately rewarded. And I think both of those things are true. Um, also, I think if he had a conversation with Chan Siri, he wouldn't go any further because <laughs> The man is not the sort of football owner you want to be working for. Mm. Um, I think you're right. I think if the Forest thing came along, it would be irresistible. I think you've got the opportunity to buy Burton Albion, he would. I think, but other than that, uh, Pauls, I think he's just happy doing what he's doing. And I think the owners of our football club give him enough license to allow him to do what he wants to do. Um, and that, I think, suits his mentality. Yeah. And if he does go, well, it happens, you know. Yeah, it does. And it's you, not the end of the world, is it? You move on and you take the financial, but I agree. I don't think he will. I mean, if you look, if you analyse Clough's journey with Mansfield when he first came we'll in, bring Cochrane back. You can absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, if you look at Clough's journey, I think it's one of those where, you know, he first came in, had the job to do it, and, and got to the point, and he's now building us to to be a successful team and. If it doesn't happen this season, I do think our owners will think about a potential change. But I, I don't see any reason why it won't happen this season. I think um, it. Will... I think if we don't get in the playoffs as a minimum this year, Clough will walk anyway. Yeah, his, I agree. his contract terminates at the end of this year. I can't see he's got any room to negotiate. Yeah, um, and I, I think everybody has a period of mm. time when they're you know they're they're, they're at their prime, mm. and I think we're at it now where Clough's concerned. So this is the season where we do it. And let's be fair, if we don't do it, it's not for the lack of trying on behalf of the investment being put in by the owners and yeah. the fans, emotional input, because full houses now, you know, it's, it, it, there's nothing else externally that can be done. I think we need to buy a striker in January mm. or, or get one on loan. I just think other than that, we are as well equipped, notwithstanding injuries, as we could possibly be to try and win this league. Yeah, I'd, I'd, I'd don't think there's a statement in there that I can disagree with. Let's have a look at some more comments and questions and opinions. Uh, Mark says, read McDonald's, McDonald both quality. Uh, Roy says, don't forget Barry. He's flying. Yeah, he's really grasped that right back position and made it his own. Um, I just want to see him with a different number than nine because it still messes with my brain when he... And <laughs> um, Marie says, Clark was class on Tuesday. His best game yet this season. Hopefully he's back on form. Uh, and Roy asks, DKD uh, didn't... Uh, do you think he's a bit too greasy sometimes when there's a good ball on? I, I do and I don't. And I I do because... You say greedy. 
greasy. It says, it says greasy, but I think probably that could be greedy as well. I think what we need to look at there is it's one of those things where he's an exciting player who can really get you, you forward. And he is, he's what, our leading goal scorer? And he's, he, he knows where the back of the net is. He's pretty much scoring every single game. And it's just frustrating when it doesn't come off. And I would much rather especially at times in the game like it was on Tuesday, you know, the last 10, 15 minutes, I'd much rather him have a shot and it, it not come off than we try and play the extra pass because he's got the quality to produce. And sometimes you need a player in your team that is going to do that, that's going to piss you off but excite you in equal measure. I think he can piss people off as much as you like if you bag in 20 goals a season. Exactly. Uh, and I think... I think... My criticism of Mansfield Town Football Club over a number of years is we don't take enough shots. Now, that's changed this year. Mm. Um, uh, but the we need now is to convert more of them. And I think ultimately, you know, we're going back to the, the quality of crosses from set pieces and corners. Sometimes keeping the ball on the ground is the most dangerous way of taking those things. We're trying to lob them up in the air for people to nod them down or nod them into the goal. Sometimes just driving the bloody thing in Anything can happen. It can hit anybody's knee or arse or anything and come out and second balls are there to be had. Again, the second balls, we need to be a bit better on those than, than we are at the moment. But uh, but variety. But I have no problem with it being a little bit greedy. I think if you're, if you're responsible for getting the, most of the goals, you've got to be. Yeah. There's the old adage, if you don't shoot, you don't score. Uh, quick word on uh, Bailey Cargo before we have a quick break and turn our attention to... Um, off the pitch matters. Obviously came back into the side on Tuesday. He's been unlucky to be kept out of the side, really, by Lewis Brunt, who I think has been excellent. And I don't think he was dropped due to his mistake. Um, I think he it was basically, and I think a fair assessment from Clough, and what I fully expected him to make, Wrexham play for set pieces and they play for that, that long bloody throw, which is so effective at times, and we had to nullify it, and that's exactly what Bailey Cargill did. He was tremendous. And I will, I'd feel so, so sorry for him if he was dropped on Saturday. He's, he's claimed that shirt again, and that's, that's what you want. A competitive side, two defenders, buying for one side, pulling punches at each other and performing at the top of their game. I think it would be wrong to, to drop Cargill now. He's, he's on our books for a start. He's not on loan, you know, and, and Brunt was brought in as cover because of the injuries. Um, I think... We have that luxury of choice. I understand Blunt can play in front of the defence as well, so that might be an option. But certainly against Wrexham, I think Clough was right because the, the thing about the lad is he's, he's like a matchstick, isn't he? He's not got a great deal of body mass. He's tall, but he hasn't got much physicality uh, compared to other defenders on our books. And they got some really aggressive and physical strikers to, to uh, look after against Wrexham. And by and large, we did it well. Yeah, absolutely. But Bailey Cargill, I thought, was superb. Yeah, and he, the option that he gives us to play at, at left-back as well, he's not a natural left-back as we saw exposed against Peterborough, uh, but he can play there and he can do a job and he gives us an option to play a back four, a back three, wing-back, play higher up, play out from the back, whatever. He's Bailey Cargill is as good an acquisition as what Lewis Reed and Aaron Lewis was. One thing you can say about us this summer, we got the recruitment right. Let's have a look at some more comments before we take a quick break. They're not coming through on the screen for Clive, but they are coming through on the um, the live feed. I think uh, Restream's having a night off. Uh, Alan says, uh, prefer DKD in behind the front two. 
Um, Carl says, Boateng needs a good run of games. He proved at the back end of last season what he can do when everyone slagged him off. Great player, just been very unlucky at times with the injury. Ran the midfield when he was at Exeter. Um, personally, Carl, I can't see him getting in, in, in the side until he grows a right foot and knows how to use it. Uh, but he's still a good talent to have on the books. I can't disagree with that. Um, uh, in, on t in terms of Clough, uh, Simon adds, ha he's happy, it's local, Wednesday's a mess on and off the pitch. Um, Carl also adds, there's a reason why he only signed a one-year extension, it's do or die, uh, he will be off if we don't get promoted. Uh, Mark says, for me, we need a, uh, a striker 100% who will get us 20 goals. This is all we are missing, in my opinion, that will push uh, us up to promotion this season. If we don't get, I think it's League Two. League Two again. I have to say quickly on that bit, Clive. Though as well, had Reese Oates not got injured when he did, I think Oates would probably be pushing ten goals now because Oates was looking to the Oates that we we had when we first signed him. Yes, it, we'd gone through a period of the returning Oates not being a shadow of his previous uh, quality, and that's because it, I think his injuries are taking a lot longer to to get over. But we were just starting to see to see the real Oates emerge when he got injured again. Um, that's my only doubt about the lad. I think he's injury prone, and I think you know we we can't bank on people who can't be relied upon to be fit. Mm. But I think if he'd have been a fit Reese Oates, we'd have he'd have certainly got four or five goals this year, if no if not more. And those would have, would have been you'd inevitably expect them would have been the determining factor whether we got one or three points. Yeah, absolutely right. We're going to take a quick break. Still to come, we're going to talk very briefly about uh, sellouts and uh, ticket sales. We're going to talk about uh, the AFC Wimbledon game on Saturday and, of course, the midweek game uh, against uh, Doncaster Rovers in the Papa John's and whether or not Nigel Clough will make some, uh, some changes. And, of course, we'll do podcast predictions as well, plus more of your comments, questions and opinions on the Mansfield Matters podcast, the show for the fans, by the fans, proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at PlushCare.com slash weight loss. That's PlushCare.com slash weight loss plushcare.com slash weight loss picture the scene all of your mates around you've got your mcnugget share boxes ready to go partner this with your team playing champagne football perfect order mcdelivery now on the mcdonald's app there's nothing quite like a mcdelivery at participating restaurants 18 plus serving times delivery fee and terms apply see mcdonald's.com Welcome back to the show for the fans, by the fans. This is the Mansfield Matters podcast. Clive Parkin alongside me tonight. Alan Wilson on the sick bench, along with uh, Elliot Hewitt and all those other players. Uh, Nick on parenting duty, Cam watching Hollyoaks. And has anyone actually seen Nathan? Does anyone know that he's alive? He's, he's just too good for us now with his appearances on Heart Radio and Channel 5. He'll be back at Christmas when the quiz comes around, I'm sure. Uh, Clive, let's talk grounds. Um, of course, on Tuesday night, people say it was the Wrexham effect, but I actually uh, am going to call that out as absolute <laughs> because 
you look at our attendances historically over the last, well, season and a bit, and they're growing up and up and up. And whilst they might have been 2-3% of the Wrexham effect, it was the highest ever attendance under, under John and Carolyn um, in their tenure on, um, on Tuesday night. An absolute sellout. And to be honest, I don't think that'll be the only time this season that we have a sold-out home game. And it brings the question up again, doesn't it, of when do we trigger a plan to accommodate the demand for more? Well, um, let's say the plan, if it's not already in place, should be in place. And it's negligent of the owners and the club's managers if they haven't already got a plan. Because once, if they're, if they're waiting for a trigger, such as promotion, then that ain't going to be enacted in the following season. It'll probably be at least two seasons before any any major um, ground alterations can be accomplished. So the frustration is is here because we're now having an average of seven thousand home fans in a ground that we've now it's now patently can only hold eight and a half thousand people, um, and it means that every game is going to be a, uh, nearly every game will be a, an all all ticket affair. Yeah. Which makes it awkward for some of our fans that like to come but can't get that well, uh, can't get ahead and get things booked in, in ahead of the game. But uh, credit to Wrexham, they're one of the few teams that actually filled the away end. I mean, properly full as well. Mm. And uh, they were. I mean, it was a, it was a full house. The atmosphere was superb. It would have been absolutely tremendous had there been some fans across the road from us. But we don't have that. Um, whether the solution is doing something with Bishop Street, whether it's putting some seats in the corners, whether it's putting another deck on top of the quarry lane, I don't know. But none of these things are easy to do. And no. none of them will happen next season if we need them for next season. And the frustration is not when we've got a, an away end full of fans. The frustration will be when we're having to turn away casual Stags fans and there's Sutton United with 50 fans in the North Stand. That's when I get angry about it. Because we've found ourselves in an impossible position where we have to give 1,700 seats to the away, to the visiting supporters, whether they need them or not. Mm. And, and that's the interesting one. I want to do a podcast and we are going to work on trying to, to do this with someone that's a, a, a property building sort of expert who can talk us through all the legalities in terms of the processes that you have to do to weigh up the options the realistic options of what the future holds for Mansfield Town because I do genuinely think uh that um I just get a message that my food's 15 minutes away uh, that's why I got distracted for a second um I know shoddy um I do think we need to look in look into it because people will sit and have conversations and we we have on this podcast and We've done it, you know, on coaches or wherever about what happens next and whether it's cost effective or an easy process to temporary stand the Bishop Street stand, to flatten it into temporary stand or to build a new one completely to, or to rip down the Ian Greaves stand and move out for a season, pick the ground up and move it and build a new stadium or to build new. There are so many arguments about it. But I just want to put one question to you without going into the ifs, buts and maybes, without going into what needs to be done, and it is this. If you could choose, that, let's say that the owners and, and the powers that be have had these thought processes but have just kept it on the, on, the, on the quiet, because you would, because you don't want to raise expectations sometimes. Let's say that there is now a plan in progress to extend fans coming in to watch Mansfield Town, wherever that maybe 
on one hand, option A is Bishop Street gets done, and it's a temporary stand like we saw. It's a stand like we saw at Accrington, which we have a bit of terracing and a bit of seats, and we put away supporters in, and we get the north stand back. Or option B, and that is to say goodbye to one core stadium and to move to the new one core stadium whether that be in mansfield or on the outskirts of mansfield which option if you had to vote as a supporter for the future of the club would you would you choose as a lifelong supporter are you staying and redeveloping or are you moving to something with endless possibilities 100 percent staying interesting because whilst i can see the virtue of having a greenfield site somewhere um a la colchester united we quite admire their stadium for what it provides for a lower league club um but the emotional tie to phil mill let's call it by its proper name for a minute is where it is been there you know it's the oldest football ground currently in use well blah 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 you know, it's debatable but and that's because that's where football has been played all those years i think without getting involved in technical solutions because i'm no expert if we were going to redevelop we could redevelop there because there is a the space behind the existing main stand to build another stadium it, you'd have to sacrifice the training pitch that's no loss you have mm -hmm. to sacrifice the five side pitches for a couple of seasons so what you'd lose what bit of car parking we've got for a couple of seasons but you could build another stadium behind the existing one and then demolish the, the existing stadium and turn that into the car parking and administration centers and, uh, and and whatever that you need they could do that the big problem is of course is funding it um i don't think we have the situation that haslam had where he could draw down on on fa money and, and government inspired money so it's got to come out of the club in one way or the other whether it's the owners or at the clubs taking a mortgage out on the place the ground itself doesn't have any real value in the real market because as far as i understand it there's a duke of portal and covenant on it that says you can't use it for anything other than sport so he couldn't sell it for to a housing developer to get the money to build an out-of-town stadium mm. so we are we are trapped by circumstance the i mean what we're trying to do with the existing stadium if we if we if we're just going to try and improve what we've already got there's too many people with their irons in the fire you've got the police and the safety groups and people who are saying Ah, I understand what you're doing. You can't have that. Oh no, you can't have stand. You can't have the North Stand back because it would mean having away fans getting coming into contact with home fans. Well, they bloody well do anyway. Mm. Uh, it's just place to another. Um, you can't have access to the. You can't use the Bishop Street side because there's poor access. Well, we used to have a Bishop Street side. Bishop Street side with with more people on it than I guess we would get away with putting on now when it was terracing. Um, I understand that they wouldn't want to inflict on extra traffic on Bishop Street. Well, fine, you know, there's ways around these things. You've only got to look at other grounds that work in enclosed areas. You know, like, like we've only got one side of our ground which has got residential properties butted up against it. It's not like Everton or, or Luton or these other places are completely trapped in people's back gardens. So I just think that whilst the club might want to do it and they might well be able to afford to do a, a Luton-esque stand on the bishop street side of the ground i just think there are other people saying ah no you can't do that we won't allow you to do that yeah well, you know uh, sodom <laughs> don't think that's quite how it works but we will do it do it do something on this um 
at some point because I think it needs to be a conversation which is had, especially if we, you know, it gets to January time and we're sitting in that, still in that top seven and still going really, really well and we're still hitting those constant attendances. Um, interesting in the comments. Mark says three sides embarrassing but develop and stay. Um, Paul says, option B, would like to see a ground built near the training ground. Robert, either way, the supporters should not be behind uh, the goals. Uh, so please do keep those comments uh, coming in and have your say on your team. I have to say, uh, for me, it would be um, the option to move. I think it, it, it's one of those where you look at, how Mansfield have, have, have done over the last couple of years or so when you look at um, the things which we've uh, the things which we've done you look the last time we used the Bishop Street for supporters was 2001-2002 when it housed the, the visiting fans and I don't know I just think it, it's one of the did you forget to plug your laptop in? It just reminded me it was running flat so I yeah. uh, plug it in I was just saying for me I, I know you've got the emotional attachment because, you know, you're a support that's been going a long time. I don't. I, and I think uh, there might be a few people that want to rid the, the Haslam connection. It's a really interesting debate to see where we go. And we're definitely going to have to explore it. Um, we, we definitely uh, have to um, explore it further. Um, let's have a little look. Um, at some more comments before we move on to podcast predictions because we're running short on time. Um, Accrington, we went in the one end to the two sides. Uh, Quarry Lane to Bishop, I don't quite get that comment. Um, Simon says, realistically, based on the size of the town and surrounding area, uh, what would be the maximum attendance we could achieve? 10 to 12K, in including away fans? Again, um, lots of debate to be had on it. Um, Bill says, as gates increase parking, is it a premium? Do supporters think it would be it would benefit us if the owners were con were contacted to allow a legitimate uh, paying car park? There's a lot of debates and a lot of factors which I think you have to take into consideration about those um, potentials uh, to move away as well. Um, and Moggy says, stay, but it's expensive. I tried a temporary stand on Bishop Street, not guaranteed these fans if we hit a bad patch now or in the future. So many things to consider and definitely another debate for another day. Let's move on, though, and, of course, cast our eye to upcoming fixtures. Um, AFC Wimbledon Clive on Saturday. We'll do podcast predictions in a minute. But second in the table, another Another good test. Um, five wins, five draws, one defeat, and just a point above Stags uh, at the moment. Another difficult side to break down. Yeah, they've been quietly going about their business, haven't they? They've not been. No one's saying how flamboyant they are and how exciting they are. They're just getting on with it. I think they're the, it's the sort of teams like that we've got to be most concerned about. But again, it'd be a really good test. You know, to come away with uh, a result against them would be. Uh, an acknowledgement that we've, we're, we're as good as we need to be to win this league. And of course, on Tuesday night, um, we talk about crowds and filling it. Well, we'll struggle to fill it on Tuesday night because it would just be the lower tier that's open because that's the, the Papa John's trophy against Doncaster over the side who are struggling. Two-all draw at their place in the league earlier this, this season. But it's an opportunity. Someone mentioned it at the top of the show in the comments about whether or not Nigel Clough will rest players ahead of the Notts County game on the Saturday. I think he will. Resting players is not resting players because, like you said earlier, we've got two squads 
capable of competing in League Two. And if ever there was a season for my rant about taking this competition seriously and going far in it like we have done in the Carabao Cup, this is it. Because I've got a squad written down on paper here, um, an 11, which could likely start the game on Tuesday night, which in any, any League Two side would bite their hand off for. And that's Flinders in goal, a back four of Johnson, Cooper, O'Toole and Williams, a midfield of Lewis, Maris and Boateng, and a forward three of Gale, Swan and Aikens. Yeah, I can see where you're coming from. Uh, you know I don't share your view about these Tim Pot trophies. No one does it, you're all <laughs> I mean... I'm like every other fan. I don't. Uh, I want us to win things, but I don't want us to take any risks. And that's my only anxiety about playing in the Papa John's on Tuesday: is that we're asking more of the team, we're asking more of the players, and we're putting players on at risk of injuries, etc. Um, and if you don't play your strongest side, then you're not taking the competition that seriously. So it's a difficult one. Um, I think Clough will play his strongest available team. He may. He may take one or two out and put one or two others in, but I can't see. I mean, I don't ever see him putting the youngsters in the in the team at the moment. No, and I don't think he, he particularly needs to either, because you know he might like put um, Abdullah in. He, he might like on the bench and some of them on the on the bench. But in terms of those who were starting, I know O'Toole's had a bit of a knock, but he's been back recently. He was on the bench a, a, a week or so ago. He's he's in and around. He needs uh, he needs a game um, and. Um, I think even looking at that that side, you rest Flint, you rest Bowery. You know you've got Brunt who can can play. He's obviously not he didn't play on uh, on Tuesday. Cargill potentially needs more minutes. We've got such a strong squad, and with the whole unbeaten thing, I, I don't know. I, I just see us giving it a real go on Tuesday. Doncaster are down on the look, and I do see us putting in the same amount of energy and enthusiasm and, and play that we have because. Why would you? Why would you not? You need consistency throughout your entire squad, not just an eleven, regardless of the competition. I agree that success breeds success, and winning is a great habit to get into. Um, but we don't need any further evidence of that. We're already doing it. How many games have we played this season? Unbeaten? What is he? Uh, is it thirteen? Thirteen, fourteen, yeah. And the last game of last season, if you want to stretch the, uh, the stat, yeah because we played Colchester and won away last year. Um, my thing about this, by the way, is that we're going to lose a game sooner or later. Yeah. And wh where do you want to lose it? If you've got to lose a game, where do you want to lose it? I have to tell you, I'd rather lose against a good side playing well than do the Stags thing and let some unworthy team take the points off us because of we've just not applied ourselves properly, which we've done in the past. Yeah. One. You know, especially at the mill. You know, we've done it. And I think uh, we're not going to make those mistakes this year. If winning in the Papa John's Trophy helps us to maintain that momentum, I'm all for it. And as Alan says, it's my go-to uh, line. A win brings more money. 10K for a win. That goes towards that striker that we need in January. Right, let's hit the button. So will they win, lose or draw? And what will be the score? It's the guessing game that brings you zero fame. But to be the best, you must outguess the rest. So will they win, lose or draw? And what will be the score? In the League or Cup, you just make it up. Because they're just works of fiction. It's podcast predictions. Will they win, lose or draw?
So after two draws, can the Stags turn those draws into wins? We'll start with AFC Wimbledon, Clive. Obviously second in the table, as we say. 20 goals scored, 10 conceded, wins, five draws and one defeat. A point above Stags, but in the automatics. They come to our home. What are you saying for Saturday against AFC Wimbledon? A 1-0 win. Bailey Cargill. Bailey Cargill. Good choice. Um, I am going to go for a 3-1 win. I think we are going to open the floodgates at some point. Uh, and I'm going to go for uh, DKD as uh, man of the match in that one. I'll kick us off against uh, Doncaster then in the Papa John's Trophy. Obviously, League 2 form. They're 20th in the table, just three wins, two draws and six defeats. A two-all draw at their place earlier in the season. I think even though we will make changes, I don't see our... our style of play changing i still see our energy being there and i do see us winning i see us winning rather comfortably so i'm going to go for 4-1 and i am um, i'm not going to gamble like i did in the carabao cup first round and not going to risk losing points so i'm going to go with someone who i think will probably play at some point in the game and that's going to be jordan bowery he's going to get a hat trick from left back i'm going to call it now all of the goals are going to be like from, from left back. He's going to go on Maisie runs. What are you saying? Are you saying that's going to be the first defeat or are you backing us to win? We're going to win 4-0. Oh, you're, you're going for the clean sheet as well. Man of the match? Blunt. Brunt, did you say? Yeah. Lewis Brunt. Excellent. As always, if you want to get your podcast predictions in, you can do so via the link in the description. You must do so no later than one hour and one minute before kickoff of the respected games. Tickets are on sale now for the Doncaster game at home. Just the Ian Greaves lower is open for that one. So come and find us. Come and have a chat. I'm sure you'll be there, Clive, won't you, on Tuesday? Oh, yes. I'm sure you'll find me and Clive somewhere near Alan Wilson's PA box. So come and say hello. We'd love to have a chat with you. And, of course, make sure you get your ticket for the AFC Wimbledon game because it is an all-ticket affair. Therefore, they'll go off sale on Friday. Come and support the Stags and play along with Podcast Predictions. Right, that's all we've got time for tonight. My thanks, as always, to you guys at home for watching and for listening. And, of course, to Clive, the stalwart stag. Can the stags continue their unbeaten run against AFC Wimbledon on Saturday in the league? And will they get off to a good start in this season's run of the Popper Johns Trophy? Make sure you join us at this time next week to find out as we continue the conversation and look ahead to Derby Day. Notts County away, live on TV. Will the Stags still be unbeaten? Will they be closer to County in the table? Will it be a top-of-the-table clash? What will happen in the coming days? As always, we will continue to follow the journey on the show for the fans, by the fans. Why? Because Mansfield always matters. We will see you next week.
away days are great, but there's nothing quite like playing at home. The same goes for McDonald's. Maximize your home ground advantage with McDelivery. Order now on the McDonald's app. At participating restaurants, 18 plus serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Mom deserves the best and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans.